podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it's John Gibbons hosting the weekend of this week and we are here to talk about, well, things going on in the Liverpool world. That's culturally, that's football and that's, well, everything in between that crosses over. We've got an action-packed show, but in the first part, uh, we are in the studio. I'm joined by Andy Heaton, by Gareth Roberts and by Jay McKenna to discuss... Well, first of all, I want to talk about this Gomez-Sterling thing and I'll start with you, Jay. Uh, the whole week sort of interests me. First of all, when it came out, I was like, that's not true. I had to check that it wasn't that black Paul Joyce but <laughs> <laughs> it was the real one. Is that like, an L or an I in his name? <laughs> because I thought, like, I've, you know, I've seen players argue on the pitch. Obviously, you play for the same team, you know, you've seen it. And then you've heard about stuff in the training room. But this is first time I've heard about lads scrapping in the canteen. Yeah, I, I badly want to see, like, a recreation of this. There's got to be a crime watch version of this on Match of the Day soon. Like, you know, <laughs> you know Joe Gomez just up there getting, you know, what a bit of toast or something. What's, did it happen in the night or in like? I think it was when he first got there. Ah, twelve in the afternoon. Yeah, you know, you need a little, you need a little time in the corners. Oh, yeah, nah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Raheem Sterling enters the building. You know, but like you know, Joe Gomez just like what, getting a bit of food at the thing here, just yeah. like Raheem Sterling, like essentially just yapping at his ankles, shouting at him. I, I find it astonishing. Uh, really. Super food and I, protein I, shakes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle all over the <laughs> shop. Throw this bit of over that your head in a minute. You don't say sorry, big man. <laughs> so I, I, I think like it, it, you know, the, I really paint a picture. I, I find it hilarious uh, for the reasons you just said. I do find it really curious. I'd love to know what Stalem was like. He to be that angry then and do that. Yeah. In the canteen of the England setup, knowing the implications of all of that. How angry must he have been a Saturday Sunday night? Well, There's the, no way he watched Match of the Day too, because he'll have no. been fuming. Well, the rumours are, Gareth, that basically he's he's been on Twitter all night seeing all these memes of him getting had off, and he's got himself more and more wound up, which just reminds me of like being in school, <laughs> where you didn't really want to fight, but then someone's gone, Harry nah, he called you this and that, yeah. you know what he I mean? He said your ma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then and then he's just he's just basically oh, got himself, he, yeah. he's been on Twitter till 3am with Heaton. Speaking of happy books. Everyone, you train, he's a crap. <laughs> All that, and then they basically like so. He's so he's just stormed in on the bounce, basically. Yeah, it was a bit mad. I mean, I, I thought, um, you know, City in general, the manager staring as well. You know, they, they were obviously really ramped up for for the game, and then they lose the game. And I was talking to someone on on, on Twitter about it last night about in general how they're acting, if you like, how, or how I'm perceiving them to be acting. And I think there's a bit of entitlement there and not just from Sterling just from Man City in general I, I I honestly think they thought they'd be having things all their own way by now yeah. and that Liverpool are there pushing them all away and so they went to Anfield you know you, <clears> you saw how they started the game and, and they caused us problems early on in that game and Sterling was playing well it's the best he's played at Anfield since he left um, but they still don't win, obviously. And then they've got did the, the big man take the sweets? Well, they've got well, they've got the VAR thing to to cry ass about, and they are, and they've complained about the referee and all the rest of it. And just think when you add it all together, you know, Guardiola's obviously put them in a place where they were really ramped up to win it, and when they don't, it is obviously hard to take. Throw the Gomez thing into it, and then you know the tweets you're talking about where everyone was sharing that little clip where he lifted them up. Essentially, I mean, I thought it was great. I, <laughs> I, I watched it personally about a thousand times, and it made me laugh. Um, and so, yeah, it obviously has sort of chipped away at his ego. Um, I mean, I, I think you know, obviously, more's being made of it than needs to be, but that is the world we now live in. But I mean, what I think's interesting in in it as well is the sort of reaction to it. The, the pieces that have been written and all that kind of thing because if you think about and it's comparable to an extent you think about uh, Mane and his reaction to Salah not passing to him and all that and you know Bobby's face and Klopp <laughs> laughing it off and it just didn't turn into a thing did no, it? Wasn't yeah. it? and everyone wanted it to and the, you know there was the same kind of pieces written but Liverpool just didn't allow it and Liverpool didn't allow it by just laughing it off and, and everyone spoke about it, but it spoke about it in, in a certain way. This is being spoken about very, very seriously. Yeah. And, you know, there's the piece in The Telegraph by James Ducker, I think it is, and it's all very serious. And, you know, these theories about how, you know, Sterling has been repeatedly wrong by Liverpool fans and that's been part of it as well. And I just Why think... Why did we front Gomez? <laughs> was it Eaton? This is what <laughs> I don't get about. You were in the canteen and England, <laughs> <laughs> He fronted Gomez on a was him. <laughs> we, we did better then, didn't we, Jay? And we were talking about sort of how football makes a hypocrite of everyone at some yeah. point. And, there's, you know, 
it just is what it is. You know, you're, you're passionate. You're passionate about one side and a set of players, and so you end up. You, you know, you can find yourself defending things that you don't really want to defend. And you're just like, hang on, what am I doing here? And I've seen City fans doing that this week about this. I mean, he's clearly in the wrong. And like you, you know, why do you have to try and defend it in any way? Like he's just lost his rag on the pitch. He's then lost his rag again. He's 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 not properly apologised about it. And it seems like Joe Gomez and Jordan Henderson have been really sound about it and helped them get back in the side and in the group basically. Yeah. So he should be saying thank you to them as well as sorry. Um, but yeah, I find some of the you know I, I suspect some of these pieces that have been written have come from briefings and things like that. And I just find all that so strange. Like just play football and crack on and stop making a bigger deal out you'd of something. You'd want to move on from it, wouldn't you? Yeah. That Liverpool yeah. matter to you? Yeah. That you, you're annoyed by Liverpool. There's been all these things around you know the impact. We're having Guardiola commenting on Mane, Guardiola commenting on the, the lead we had in the league early on. And, you know, it is still early. He should be thinking that. Lip, you know, City should be thinking that. There should be leadership saying, don't talk about them, don't think about them, don't do nothing about them, don't rile them up, don't, you know. They, I think I read a piece by Carrie talking about Anfields and, you know, the old the sort of rivalry we had with Chelsea where when Mourinho would say something, it fired everyone up. And he was saying, you know, Guardiola and Klopp doing this as long as it's the right side of it is going to fire up to that relationship and you got that atmosphere a bit on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, like, you know, they would, it was that element of Mourinho makes comments about the points totals and stuff like that, that it, it done the team way, team talk for you. And you, if any Liverpool fan going yet yet now, well, we get City and Anfield again this season and certainly next, everyone's going to be like, Ah, Ian Sterling's getting it. Yeah. He's just going to get it. Yeah. Exactly. For, for no other reason than it's, than, than, it the, than whatever, whatever people allege it's about. It's not. They're gonna do it now because it works. They're yeah. gonna do it now because Raheem Sterling doesn't get his way and loses his head. He, he lost it in the first half with Trent. He clearly thinks Gomez isn't as hard as Trent because he didn't front Trent. Trent pushes him into the boards, doesn't he? And yeah. he gets a cob on with it. It's, it. I think it physically hits Trent, but it's like, why? Why are you just playing this? But you are. On, he left one on Van Dijk yeah, as well. You're, an, you're yeah. an England international that has had this abuse and have been fouled incessantly by players. You you go everywhere. You, you've had this media castigation of you wrongly for lots of things and it's like you know you you should have a mentality that isn't going to rise to this and that let you you you, you, you know you play do the talk and by and large in the second half he'd done that he was a, he yeah. was a better he was a bigger threat for them second half and then he's just got annoyed by this I, thing I like Gomez we're literally by the way he turns around and gets in Gomez's face yeah. it's not like Gomez found him he turns around acts hard Gomez literally just pushing away and leaves it that's it doesn't back down and then like Raheem Sterling starts right can't do this here on the pitch I'm going to do it here at the bread and John me bread and you, bin or you know me and you met Gomez didn't we on the pre-season tour we, we had a chat with him and he's a lovely lad lovely isn't he so mild mannered yeah you know I, th- I think he's quite a religious lad as well yeah. and things like that he's not someone going round acting hard saying look I had Raheem Sterling off so I sort of unless he was liking sweets at two o'clock in the morning and Sterling <laughs> <laughs> even lads sub sweeting him and stuff like this calling himself big man taking the trash out again that sort of thing I think some of the conversations though aren't right for me as well, you know, sort of insinuating that there's a a racism edge to it, insinuating that there's something more, and, and there just isn't. I think, you know, the, we have to remember that the way Sterling left Liverpool was not great. He went and did that BBC interview against the wishes of the club. When you do something like that, fans will turn against you. The fans turned against Torres, the fans turned against Suarez. It's nothing to do with race, and he's still called a greedy bastard to this day. But he was asking for a lot of money at 20 years old, so that's what that's about as well. And I think, you know, Liverpool fans, a lot of Liverpool fans, myself included, and use around the table, have said plenty of times in the past that the way, you know, his life is covered in tabloid newspapers and stuff like that has been totally wrong, yeah. totally wrong, out of order. That's racism, that's shit, that's crap. But this, there isn't an edge there, so I don't know why there, there are people working really hard to make one. There isn't one this time. It's just simply that, as you said, Jay, we know it works with him, and he hasn't had a good game at Anfield, well, until Sunday. But now he's reacted like this, and so next time when Liverpool play City again and he's in the team, there'll be plenty of fans in the ground, home or away, who will go, we can get in there and again, so let's do it. And I, I, I think there's a tribalism element, you're right, about like wanting to go for a player, but I think there's also a point whereby... When that the response to that has become tribal, it's the response to that is it's City saying it's Liverpool's fault. But rather than just acknowledging your players done something he shouldn't have done, rather than acknowledging that your players concentrate on us on us football, I think there are issues about where some of that greedy bastard stuff originally come from from people. Mm. I do think that he got uh, 
greater degree of criticism for that than another player might, particularly given that we signed him as a 15-year-old kid for a big sum of money as well. But it, it's the thing that I don't think most are doing that and take time, castigate and a portion blame for that. Just I think demeans a wider, a wider exactly. important message that he exactly. has he has been part of. Um, I feel a bit sorry for the England manager Andy because he's he's in a situation where he's <clears> dealt with it. He's dealt with it, I think, fairly well. He's, he's you know he, at first apparently he was going to send him home and then he was he was talked sort of out of that really. And then there seems to have been you know after the initial oh what's happened there like a bit of a thing where some people say yes and oh some of the players aren't happy and you're like well sorry like he's got a job to do and I think you know um, Mel Reddy did a couple of really good tweets on this where he's where where she said that you know England managers in the in the past have been you know criticised for for keeping everything behind closed doors and trying to hide things away and then this comes out and it's and it's people are having a go but also as well you know the idea of you know people saying that you know about club cliques about lack of discipline about favouritism and then he's been stronger he's he's getting criticised it just shows that I don't know England managers they just can't win no they can't win I think Mel's spot on and yes again he's 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 an easy patty and he got a Southgate to do, to deflect yeah. upon. You know, it, it, is it his fault that it happened? Absolutely not. Is it excusable what, what's happened? Well, going by the reports around it, no, absolutely not. And also, I think that one thing as well, from a, from a comms point of view and from an optics point of view, the clarity and speed in which it was dealt with by the England, by, by the FA and Gareth Southgate leaves little room for questioning or muddying the waters. Whereas, as as has happened previously, when things have leaked out, this he he said, she said. Whereas I think the the, the, the messages that they, that they put out together kind of killed any any room for speculation around that. Um, and I'm not being funny, but you know, essentially, if if we went away on a, on a work thing and one of us behaved like that, well, you know, people get sent home. Yeah, do you know what I mean? No, in any other job. Yeah. You know, let, forget about that it's football for a minute. They're, they're at work. It's a place of work. You just can't behave like that. Mm. Um, and you're under such an intense spotlight. And again, it, 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 it it's a bit spoiled brassish. And look, you talk about cliques and one thing and the other. And it's almost now in the modern era, what strikes me is the players almost have their own cliques. Not, not team cliques, but their own, like, they've got their own squad and their own entourage and their own people yeah. that they can lean on in the media and stuff like that. And what it's done is killed any any kind of fuel that they could take on, and also it's probably brought people up the wrong way because you know if if you're in Raheem's camp or or Gomez or whoever, you know you got to have your boys back, and I think that that that's fueled a lot of it. It's it's a reminder, Gareth, that the England job is 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 a mad one, and um, Ollie Kay's written some, some really good for the Athletic worth checking out. Where he's talked about the fact that this is a thousand games, and it's meant to be this big celebration. And obviously, this is kind of you know muddied that a little bit, or, or certainly taking the shine off it. And he's looked at all fifteen England managers and sort of concluded that there's always something mad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think what comes out of Ollie's piece as well um, for me reading it was just the fucking media is awful, and like. You know, talked talked about before about how you can how football can end up. You know, you're becoming a hypocrite. Well, obviously, I worked in tabloid newspapers, and when I look back on some of the stuff I wrote and I worked on, I'm not proud of it now. I like whatever I'm going to do from now on in. I don't want to work for tabloid newspapers again. I don't like them. I don't like what they do. And I think the sort of the stuff around England managers when you read it like that, it on mass does not look great. You know, like the stitching up managers. You know, they're putting people's heads on turnips and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I if anyone hasn't seen the Impossible Job documentary, it's on YouTube, so you can just go and watch it. It's about Graham Taylor and his time as England manager. And I think it's it's really eye-opening. And, like, you know, he's he was great. I absolutely loved him as a broadcaster. I think he was, like, really insightful about football. And then just a nice fella. And okay, you know, you could question maybe, you know, the level that he, he should be managing at and some of his tactics. I get that. But it, it, it's it's always too often become personal with, with the way it's covered. And, you know, like I say, the stitch-ups, I mean, even when you read Ericsson back, I quite liked Sven Goran yeah. Ericsson. And I think when you read, read it back, it was like, well, what did they really do wrong? And why did they deserve to yeah. be getting stitched up by fake shakes and all this mm. kind of shit? Because as he pointed out himself... You know, like in other countries, the media do those type of techniques to expose criminality or whatever. Yeah. Not just a football manager saying <laughs> something soft. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And 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 I think it's a bit mad. And you know, it's it, Bobby Robson as well. It, it, there's a documentary um, it certainly used to be on Netflix, if it still isn't. And 
he touches on it as well and it's about the uh, and it's mentioned in all these piece that it sort of became a thing with tabloids that you could be the most ridiculous about the England manager. You know what I mean? It became part of the tabloid war, like who could go so over the top about England managers and it comes from somewhere else that as well. Like I mean there, there are plenty of people kicking round and again this is touching on something we were talking about the other day on the Bad and In video that there are a lot of people who are, who are dickheads about football and dickheads about sport and the tabloids are feeding into that you know they know that it, it, by doing things like the turn up and stuff like that in the past people would laugh at that and be amused by that and say ah oh, yeah to get a shit and be really over the top and I think I'd like to think that we're starting to move on from it to be honest and like you know this is why I still and this is my personal opinion but I, I'd, I'd still go along with you know I'd that campaigns and things like that to like not read the sun and stuff like that are important because eventually if, if papers like that do start to go and aren't read then perhaps we can move on a little bit and we can start to treat news and sport in a bit more of a serious way do you know what I mean but to finish on a Liverpool point Andy it looks like we're, we're top and they don't like it <laughs> <laughs> certainly seems that way doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> no I, no, I, I think you're right I think at the top of the show I think you nailed it when it's much as they've ramped themselves up so much, you know, and, they, and they've been so invested in it. And a couple of the headlines and a couple of the Manchester based publications have been ridiculous, both before and after. And, you know. Well done for not mentioning his name there, Ant. Yeah, cheers, mate, yeah. Well, you know. You'll still be made up. Yeah, well done. But I, I just, I, I, I just, I, I just think. It, it, it's just been he so good. I know. <laughs> I can't do it, can I? I just think it's been a massive week for no, the pool and I'm John, enjoying it. Give us face. Great. I hope someone's got give us face here. Give um, us thinking if I have to ring a lawyer at this knows. time. This, this is the weekend. <laughs> this has been a great show. We'll be back in the room talking about Liverpool season so far, right to the end. But we've got loads coming up for you, including right now, which is uh, Neil Ackerton speak to Rafa Honigstein about his new book on Jurgen Klopp. I'm with Rafa Honigstein in a bit of a rooftop situation, so there might be a little again. bit of noise behind. Again, yeah, it's where we do all of our best chats, me and Rafa. And we're going to talk about this book, uh, this book about Jurgen Klopp, Bringing the Noise. And it is this idea, Rafa, that ultimately you've added two years' worth of Liverpoolian football onto the end of it. You covered Mainz, you covered Dortmund, you had Liverpool up to a point. But it's fair to say the two years is actually, it's a bit of a break with what we saw at Mainz, it's a bit of a break with what we saw at Dortmund. It's almost more than anything else had been at Liverpool up to that point at Jurgen Klopp. 4.0 it, it is a break but at the same time it isn't because all the stuff it was, it was interesting reading the book again because a lot of the success is being foreshadowed you know, you, you get a sense of things starting to work out minds. You get a sense of things sense of things starting to work out Dortmund. And of course, in his third full season, as you know, he was promoted at Mainz. He won the title of Dortmund and now he's won a Champions League with Liverpool and came fairly close to winning the Premier League, I think it's fair to say. I wouldn't argue with that. <laughs> um, so it actually makes for a beautiful arc. Even though it's not the seven years yeah. that are uh, over just yet. But it is a natural endpoint uh, to his journey, or at least, shall we say, a milestone that he's that he's now hit. When you decide to obviously revisit it's off the back of the Champions League success, but there must have been the temptation to do it off the back of reaching the final in Kiev. You know, they, they lose to Real Madrid. Unfortunate to do so, I think we could say, but you know, there's still on the day they're not maybe mature enough, not quite ready, a couple of positions still to be sorted out. But you, you couldn't really have looked then and said that that you know that was his, his his moment. You decided to hold back to get the full story. Did you expect the story that you got or did you think we'll just see what happens in this third season? Which way did it go? I wasn't quite sure that this Liverpool team were as evolved, as mature, as solid, as consistent as they ultimately proved to be in that uh, season just gone by. I thought two things would have to happen for Liverpool to be in the conversation of winning the title last year. I thought City would have to drop a level, if not two. And Liverpool had really to improve a lot from the year before because, yes, they reached the Champions League final. But you could still see that they were a little bit raw, they were a little bit inconsistent, uh, they were not in control of matches, there was a lot of chaos and I'm not sure that all of it was by design. So I was surprised, I was surprised, but I, I guess ultimately over the course of a, of a Champions League where 
uh, yes, you, you need to get lucky, of course, which, which they did against Barcelona. But at the same time, you don't need to actually have that many games where you really have to be on it to win. Yeah. They had enough, and they had it at a time when other teams might have had better disposition to winning it, faltered, and they took full advantage. Is there something which is common across these these three times these three clubs, where obviously tactically has to make different decisions, and we're going to have a longer conversation where I'm going to talk to you a lot about Mainz uh, because people focus on Dortmund, whereas I think at the moment Mainz is arguably more interesting from a clock point of view in the Premier League, but where what he manages to do is coalesce belief even around failures even around mild disappointments or around some growth but not total growth I think that's what you see at the minute with the current Liverpool side it's what you saw last season after they got to Madrid sorry after they got beat by Madrid got lost in Kiev you saw them coalesce around that disappointment and begin to believe more and more in what they were capable of Is that did he do that at Dortmund and Mainz as well? Yes, but I don't think it happened to the same extent. First of all, I think Klopp is even more confident and assured in his, his own work than he was then. So he can project that level of, it's going to be fine, we can do this, with real conviction. Because yeah. It is genuine, perhaps more so than it was in 2006 or in 2013 or 14. The other thing is, I think that he's now at a club where if changes, if drastic improvements, if big surgery is necessary, it can be done. Which certainly wasn't the case at Mainz. Yeah. Which wasn't really the case at Dortmund either, because there, to stay within the same metaphor, you always had to patch up for one or two limbs being cut off by somebody else. <laughs> so this is, this is very different. This is working with a team that stays, with no big players leaving, with the exception of Coutinho, which of course happened to be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. And there's a tremendous sort of self-assuredness that flows from that, thinking we are, you know, we're already good, we're going to get better, we're all staying together, this is going to be fine. And so this is a unique position. And I was... For the book, I was privileged to go to Marbella the week before the Champions League final. And it was amazing to see the level of relaxation and confidence and yes, of course, we're going to be fine. This is not going to be a big deal, you know, almost. Everyone was happy, everyone was smiling, everyone was cool. And this all stems from this belief, I think, that things are going inevitably in the right direction. And this is a complete departure from from where things were with Dortmund, where they were only able to taste sort of the sweetest of, of sort of sweet successes when they won the double, and then already the next season things kind of began to unravel because of the his, the, the nature of, of football business with people getting taken away from him. Do you think as part of that you can see that sort of calm assurance in the players that he's that he's brought in that, that you know that he almost had enough madness, he had enough chaos, he had enough of all of that. What he felt he needed was was the absolute chaos people who are a lot calmer and able to do the business for him. Thank you very much. And able to do the business for him in a way that allows him to go at one hundred that we can go to one hundred mile if we need to, but we can also absolutely take the sting out of the game. I asked Pete Kravitz, is that his question? What is the cause and effect here? Is Klopp calm because the team is now slowed down and are in control of games and he doesn't have to do all that stuff on the sideline? Or are they calm because he's calm? And his answer seemed to be that if you feel as a manager that confidence within your players, you also need to project that. So whether that's a conscious decision or not, what he's really saying is that by doing a little bit less, Klopp is saying to his players, you're fine. And I don't think I've ever seen him as relaxed as the second half of, of the season gone by mm. on the touchline, where you hardly saw him getting into any arguments with the court official, with opposition uh, managers, with the crowd, as happened before. And that is all, you know, let's say a sort of dynamic relationship between the team becoming much more solid, much more in control as well. When you were in Marbella, did you get that same sense of calm, not just from the backroom staff, but the players as well? Was that just emanating right the way through everybody, that everybody was just, we're going to play a game of football, we're going to win it, we're better than the opposition. Something could go wrong, but we'll be all right, broadly speaking. 
he got that. He got Do you think that, that would have been different if it hadn't been if it hadn't been Tottenham? If it had been if it had been Barcelona, if it had been if it had been Madrid again, if it had been Paris Saint Germain, do you think it would have been different? Do you think it being Tottenham helped them? It's impossible to say. It's impossible to say. What helped them was the manner of the defeat the year before, <laughs> because. I think they ultimately came away thinking we never really had a chance to do justice to ourselves. So they didn't see it as a defeat, as we weren't good enough, but more case of this was an accident. And if we really turn up, as we did in the first 20 minutes of that game in Kiev, we can actually beat anyone and we will probably beat Spurs as well because we are a better team. And I think that it's this, it's this idea that, you know, for Klopp, who's seen many things go wrong in finals before, yep. The idea, I think, is that at some stage you become better at dealing with accidents and with misfortune than than others because I think in this particular case, Spurs, I think, in my view, needed the perfect game to win against Liverpool. Liverpool didn't need the perfect game. Mm. Liverpool just playing at 75% of their capability on that day was enough because Spurs were also only at 75% of their capability. And I think if you know that, you know, if sort of you think that the result is just a function of our normal performance and of us turning up, that I think provides a tremendous confidence. And also, just to add, of course, this is all still within the warm glow and the happiness of the Barcelona game where people were kind of floating and smiling and Klopp and his coaching team laughing on the table. So, impossible to say what would have happened if, you know, they'd maybe sneaked through in, on penalties or, I don't know. It, as it was, I think the stars lined up perfectly. So the last two years, I had to bring the noise, the excellent uh, Jurgen Klopp biography, very cleverly structured by Rafa Honigstein, and he's added a little bit more to the structure, a cherry on top there for you. You can get it all good places to buy bookshops from right now. Uh, you should do it, perfect for Christmas. You're listening to The Weekender, I'm Gareth Roberts, and earlier in the week, myself and Lizzie Doyle went to Anfield for the Open Day for the women's match this weekend, Liverpool versus Everton. We spoke to the manager and we spoke to a couple of players. Here are the interviews. And I'm now alongside Ashley Hodson. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us on the Anfield draft. We're at Anfield. I don't need to say much more, really. You've you've come up through the ranks, through the academy, and now you're getting to play on probably one of the biggest stages in world football. How does it feel for you to know that you're going to be playing to a huge crowd here on, on Sunday? Amazing. Something that I probably never thought that I'd do. And... I think it's going to be an amazing occasion and we literally can't wait. And as a, you know, a girl, young girl growing up from St. Helens, local to the area, or local-ish, we'd say, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, local <laughs> to the area. You've seen, you've seen Liverpool uh, when you were growing up, but we didn't really have the influence of, like, women's footballers that we do now. So, like, young girls now get to watch the likes of you. There'll be young girls filling this stadium thinking, I want to be like Ashley. Um, do you feel like you had that when you were growing up or do you feel like you're happy now to be that role model to inspire you know, more young girls to get into women's football? Yeah, I think it is amazing that some young girls would look up to us like this, especially like on the weekend, whereas when I was a lot younger, I don't feel like I really had that. Like there was not, it was more like when I was getting to the teens and stuff like that. But when I was actually younger, it was all, all about men's football and they were the people that you looked at as your, your heroes and who you aspired to be because we didn't really have that in the women's. And you know when you look at the, the, the Lionesses at the weekend and they're playing at Wembley and a, like a sold-out Wembley, that's like 80,000 people, something like that. Does that push you, uh, you know, when you're on the pitch and you're playing to think, I want to do that one day and I want to get to Wembley as well? Yeah, I think that, that pushes everyone because obviously you see the occasion, it was such a big occasion, like it was amazing for them and I really feel like that pushes everyone to want to be the best that they can be because you look at the occasions like that and I just don't think you can compare it to anything else, like that feeling that you'd get. I mean, the Women's World Cup for me was a huge turning point and I said it to a couple of the players last time, but I, I'm a fanatic football fan. I, I grew up watching the men's team, that's what I was brought up and I didn't have these, these role models to look up to, but... I'm so glad that the likes of yourself and the other girls are here doing it now because uh, I loved the Women's World Cup and I, and I really got involved and what, what I'd say to anyone looking to come to this game this weekend is if you enjoyed the Women's World Cup watching it on the telly you can literally come and watch it in person for a fiver if you're an adult um, come and watch a good game of football and it's a derby as well 
Yeah, I mean, you don't get Gotta much, be right up on you it. don't get much bigger than a derby. It's obviously, even if we was playing at Prenton or wherever we play a derby when we've played them in the previous years, it's always a massive occasion. Both teams really want to win. It's exactly the same as the, for the women as it is the men. It's a massive occasion, and to play it on this pitch, like you said, one of the one of the best stadiums in world football. Like, I just don't think you get much bigger than that, especially not for a derby. And also as well. <clears throat> the results haven't been great after recently, but what better way to kickstart, you know, your next sort of couple of games, get a couple of wins under your belt than the derby, so we can get behind, just get get in the stadium, make it loud, make it noisy, and you know, just go and support you all on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, obviously we wanna we want as many people to come as possible. Yeah. Like you said, it's only five pound and tickets. I think they stopped selling on Saturday, so yeah. please go and buy your tickets. But I think it's just it is it's going to be amazing, and we just. We want to put a performance on for everyone, like everyone that's coming. We want to feed off the crowd's energy. Like we know it's a big occasion, and yeah, results haven't gone our way, but the performances have been there. And if you look at the results, it's been like minor things just here and there, like very small marginal results. And I feel like this weekend is really, really a chance for us to push on. I feel like we're gonna put the performance in and hopefully come away with the three points. And I'm now joined by Missy Rokins. Um so you've been in, you've come through the academy since you were 18, now 18, you've been here 10 years. You had Vicky as a coach when you were younger. How does it feel to be stood here in the stadium now and on Sunday that you're going to be playing in front of a crowd here? It's like a dream come true for me. I've always dreamed it when I was younger, so to be getting the opportunity, I couldn't think of anything better. And I don't usually like bringing up like the men's game when we're talking about the women's, but you're a season ticket holder, you go home and away. So, as a Liverpool fan growing up, to think that you're going to be playing on this, which you're going to be playing a derby um, to a, a big crowd that are going to be right behind you, it must be amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. If I'm honest, it's like going to be a highlight of my career, being able to get the opportunity to be here as a player, not as a fan. Because I, I mean, you're only 18 years old and you're getting to do it already. It, it's amazing, and I've been. I, I spoke earlier about. Um, the, the Lionesses game at the weekend and you see that they're selling out Wembley. Like, do you think there's been like a big change in the women's game recently ever since, say, the Women's World Cup's been on the telly? Obviously, this is the international break we're expecting. Good amounts of people to come down. Do you think people are finally starting to go all down? Like, it's really good quality. It's a boss game of footy and I want to get down and watch it. Yeah, I think people are realising that the difference between men and women's football isn't so different. Like, maybe just the speed of it. So, more people are enjoying it and noticing now that it's just as good watching women's football than it is men's football. It's still football at the end of the day and it's still the derby at the end of the day. And I'm guessing on, on Sunday you're going to be just as pumped, you know, the players are going to be just as pumped for this as anyone because it is a derby, you're playing Everton, you're playing your local rival. Like, what what would the dressing room be like before the game? I know the girls are looking forward to it. As we know, we've got to put it right and I think that there's no better place for us to do it. So we're all looking forward to it. It's like the Derby's probably come at a great time for you, hasn't it? And um, is there anything you want to just say to sort of encourage people to get down and come and watch us and get behind us? I think that it'll be nice if you come down and watch and support us and make women's football grow. There's no better place for a Mayside Derby to be happening than Anfield. And I'm now with Casey Lynn. Casey, so the first thing I've just said to you is where are you from? Obviously, we've got the Derby on Sunday. This is the Liverpool-Everton game. It's a huge, huge game for us as Liverpool fans. Obviously, you're from Leicester, but surely you know the importance and the size of this game on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Scousers don't let you forget in the change room. <laughs> um, it's massive. But obviously, growing up, you know how important a derby is. And obviously, bragging rights in this city and um, blue or red is massive for everyone. And you know that you don't give up them rights um, without a good fight. Who's the most vocal in the dressing room when it comes to when it comes to a game like this? You know, you'll be rallying around just saying, "Get into these, it's Everton. We can't let them win." <laughs> yeah, there's there's quite a few. Um, it all means a lot to us. Um, but I think obviously Bo's one to mention because <laughs> she's just a die-hard Liverpool fan. She um, she loves loves this club and she never lets us forget about um, what badge we're wearing and who we're representing and how much it means to the city. And obviously, we're here at Anfield today. How do you feel about um, playing here on Sunday, you know, with a, with a crowd here getting behind you? What's it like for you to think, I'm going to play it on field on Sunday? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, obviously, like, growing up, you do, um, it's a dream to play at stadiums like this, and we're all really excited, and hope, hopefully the town um, city gets behind us. 
and I said to the couple of girls, obviously when, when I was growing up, I didn't feel like I had really had like women to look up to in football. They weren't really on the telly. Um, I wasn't taken to women's games. This is held at the biggest stadium, Liverpool, one of the biggest stadiums in the world. People have got no excuse on an international break to not come down and bring bring the little girls as well. Because I wish I, as a little girl, got the chance to come down and watch, you know, Liverpool v Everton. I, I didn't. I was brought up on the men's game, so you're going to have like a good few young girls here watching you as role models. And are you happy to sort of take that forward and be the next role models for for these young girls coming to see you? Yeah, definitely. I think. Um part of the game and part of um, our job is to grow our game as well um, it's still not where we want it to be and we're still always trying to push it and it's nice for the young girls to see uh, local girls and local teams playing at, at stadiums like this it's I think for us growing up it was it was hard to have access to that yeah. um, you had to go to an FA Cup final or international game if you wanted to to see yeah. your role models play and it wasn't on TV as much but now it's, it's really getting there it's nice to see that the young girls have a career in women's football now it's really amazing. I mean, the Lionesses game at the weekend was, was amazing. You're talking about role models. I imagine you've probably got a few role models there as well. But, um, I mean, that game was, was huge. Would you, when you're coming out here on Sunday, would you ever imagine um, that in the future you might be playing at Wembley yourself one day? Yeah, it's obviously every um, footballer's dream is to play at Wembley. Um, it, it's the best stadium, but I think the occasion at the weekend for us is... A massive milestone and it's really huge and we're all really excited for it. Results haven't been too great recently, but is this the best game to go into at the weekend to, to get a win under your belt and you know, get a good run of form behind us? Yeah, obviously we're all disappointed with results lately and we know that's an issue, but we're all ready to address it and we've been working hard behind the scenes and there's no better occasion than to, to get them points on the board and win a, a derby. It's amazing side derby. It means, it means everything, no matter who's on the pitch. <laughs> it really does. Vicky, we've spoke several times before for the yeah. Anfield app and we've sort of watched your development as much as anything else. How much will it mean for you? I think everyone's been asking you about the team and the occasion, but how much will it mean for you to walk out at Anfield managing Liverpool on Sunday? It's an absolute honour. Um, it's an honour to, for, for me personally, um, I'm delighted that our players get that opportunity to play here in front of a big crowd. Um, you know, hopefully the crowd will be big enough and we can hear them roar, you never walk alone as they step out onto the pitch because I think, you know, our professional female athletes deserve to experience that. So hopefully we'll, we'll see enough people down there to support us. And it's important as well, isn't it, to have female role models in football, I think. I mean, I've seen my daughter a lot of times to, to the women's games and I think when she was really young and she didn't really understand what was going on, the fact that she could literally watch women kicking a ball around instead of a fella, to put it basely. Yeah. That's important, isn't it? It is important, and this is why it's great that it's we're playing against Everton because it's Merseyside. It's a celebration on Merseyside for the women's game to grow and, and inspire the next generation to want to continue kicking a ball around because it's not just the men's sport anymore. Um, females play as well. We've seen that with the Women's World Cup. Great showcases out there. Um, great attendance on Saturday at, at Wembley for the Lionesses. Um, and this will add to it for, for Merseyside. It's, it's a great celebration for, for many of the young little girls that, that play football. And there's always an extra edge when it's Everton as well. Oh, absolutely. Of course there is. <laughs> it's the big derby on Sunday as Everton ladies travel to Anfield to take on Liverpool ladies. It's Liverpool's women's neat team now, isn't it? Uh, I'm delighted to be joined <laughs> on the line by Sarah Halpin from the Birders Blue. Sarah, I mean, you're going now, I mean, looking at Liverpool's form, it doesn't look great. Is this the first, the best opportunity to, for Everton to win a derby at Anfield in 30 years? <laughs> I think it is, Andy, to be honest with you, mate. If I'm to be completely honest, yeah. Um, I think the fact that it is going to be being played at Anfield, as you said there, the women are really struggling at the moment. Complete contrast to the men's team right now. Um, but the fact that it is going to be played at Anfield, they've got to be looking at this and going, yeah, this is the one, this is where we kickstart our season. It's a derby, it's at Anfield, we've got to have the fans on side. Um, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's the best chance I've got to see Everton win a, a derby in 30 years. You're not, you're not wrong there, Andrew, to be honest with you. But it, it's certainly a massive opportunity. I mean, we're just looking at the, the, the table now, Everton season, they've started OK, no draws, three wins, two losses. But, you know, certainly more solid than Liverpool's start, only the one draw from five. I mean, having been to a couple of the women's games, and a couple of the, I know Liverpool have been beaten well a few occasions, but I think also that I've been there when at the opening game of the season, for instance, where it's been really tight and they've lost out to mm -hmm. the old goal. 
So you know, maybe that maybe the team, and we all know the form book goes out the window. Of course, oh, well, they used to say that, didn't he? When it comes to Derby Day, yeah. so what can we expect from Everton on Sunday? I think with Everton, and something that will please Liverpool fans to hear. Uh, unfortunately for us, uh, Chloe Kelly, who's who's the top scorer in the division at the moment, um, been she won the Player of the Month September, was won Player of the Month match of the day voted for October as well so she's been flying she picked up a double booking in the last game so she's got a red card of course she's going to miss the derby so um, she'll be a massive loss to Everton but what we've seen since Willie Kirk's come into the side our new manager who joined us last season ironically his first game was a Merseyside derby um, we've seen the football being played a lot better a lot tidier uh, it took a little while to come to fruition I think last season had it not been for Yeovil who had this points deduction Everton would have probably been relegated to the to the league below but we brought in a couple of good players over the summer as well uh, Kika Van Ness from Holland centre back who's you know won it all with, with Holland the Euros reached the World Cup final and Nessa Kagaman in, in there as well our number 8 um, we played for the Orange women she's absolute top class we've got a couple of scouts in there as well which always helps and I actually chatted to a couple of our girls earlier in the, earlier in the week and we were having a laugh. She said they're going to be teaching our new signings, um, the, the girls that have come over from different countries, but, you know, they're going to say there's not, none of this soft, soft, nice, nice. It's going to be blood and thunder. It, it might be a women's derby, but it's a derby. And uh, I think we'll see some nice football from Everton. We've got the ability to, I think at the moment, given the confidence and, and stuff going on with Liverpool, we have got the ability to outplay Liverpool, um, but it's just about keeping our heads and remembering that we have got the quality inside to go there and do that but as you said it can all go out the window these girls to be playing at Anfield which is one of the most famous stadiums in the world as well um, it's just about keeping our nerves and I think if we do that we'll see some nice football from Everton on Sunday and of course you talk about blood and thunder and we had Courtney Speeman Kirk in the, in the studio last weekend obviously formerly of Everton's Parish now playing for the Liverpool women's team Is that, does, that, does that add a little bit, bit of extra spice to the game and obviously with Liverpool's start of the season not being so great it provides extra impetus for there to maybe get one over our old employers yeah, 100%. I think Sweetman Kirk will be looking at Everton and seeing this as, you know, the perfect opportunity to, to get Liverpool season up and running and for her personally to get one over on her old team. And, you know, ironically, I was looking at Sweetman Kirk and thinking, you know, would she be would she be regretting the move at some point? Because last season, Liverpool did finish above us, but the way it started, and I was saying to one of my friends at Everton, gosh, she would be perfect in this Everton side now, but we all know that's not the way football works. And certainly, yeah, there'll be added spice there for her personally. And with Liverpool and Everton women, there's been, you know, a, a few cases of players going the other way before, you know, Farrah Williams has now long moved on. But there was a time when Liverpool took the likes of Lucy Bronze, Farrah Williams and um, some of our best players. And I think that still remained. Um, ironically, City went on then to do that to Liverpool women when, of course, they got all the money, etc. Um, and came became a team um, but yeah there's definitely there's definitely that little bit of tenacity there and you know the, the fact that there have been players back and forth from one to the other um, I think just add, adds that extra you know you don't see that too often in the men's game um, it happens a little bit more often in women's football but that definitely adds a bit of uh, a bit of spice to the fixture not that we need it anyway but definitely all these things just just make you want to win that bit more is the fact that it is at Anfield making it more exciting from your perspective? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm the crowd. They're expecting a fairly large crowd there. How, how many numbers are you expecting from, from Everton to, to make the short trip over to Anfield? And what, what, did, what can we expect the atmosphere to be like for those that maybe are thinking about going or, or haven't been before? Uh, do you know what? I think the atmosphere will be absolutely rocking. We saw on Sunday last week that uh, Wembley sold out for the Lionesses friendly game against Germany. The viewing figures of the Women's World Cup in the summer beating all kinds of records. And I think there's a real genuine sort of excitement and hunger for more women's football at the moment. And, you know, with the season that Liverpool's men are having as well, sometimes that helps. It gets people, people will want to go to Anfield. Maybe Liverpool fans will want to just go to Anfield to watch the game. It might be their first taste of women's football for a lot of people on Everton's side as well. And we've been allocated over 2,000 tickets for the away end, but I think what you'll see is probably a few mixed, a few Everton fans might be in there with the with the Reds as well. Um, it is still 
the friendly derby and I think in the women's game it's you know you get away with that a little bit more as well but I think what I want to see is just everybody really enjoying themselves of course it's still Everton and Liverpool of course we it's our bitter rivals we both really really want to win this game but I think we'll see that it's a great thing for the city and to the women's team I mean Merseyside has got a rich heritage of women's football and we kind of dropped off a little bit and starting to be taken over a little bit by you know teams that have just been created and getting the funds and everything else so I think the fact that we're seeing the game at Anfield is huge it's huge for the city for both teams and I think everyone will get right behind whether it's Liverpool women, Everton women, and let's hope for. We want it to be nice, but we want there to be a bit of uh, <laughs> a bit of a bit of anger in there as well, and we still want it to be a proper derby. So yeah, I think I think people will be will be pleasantly surprised um, by what they see, and I certainly can't wait. I'm nervous. I'm scared I'm going to slip up on the pitch at the side or something at the end because there's going to be a few more people than usual to see you. So. What are you? I mean, no. do, do, just to wrap up, what, what what are you expecting from the game from Everton's point of view? Are you, are you expect? Is there a fear of a, bit, a little bit of the wounded animal in Liverpool, or are you expecting mm-hmm. it to, to go? I, how do you, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, well, that's totally the thing right now. I think last season, as I said before, Willie Kirk, his first game for Everton was the derby. We were totally down and out. We were on a on a decline. Liverpool were doing better. And I think, you know, they were definitely favourites and it turned out Everton won that game 2-1 and we kind of built on that a little bit last season. And it feels this time like it's the other way round. Um, Liverpool in the league, really, really struggling route to the bottom yet to win. Um, Everton have done quite well. We're playing some nice football. A couple of disappointing results, but we played some really lovely stuff and we do, we're sat in fifth place. So, you know, people might be watching this and going, yeah, Everton should win this comfortably given on form this season. But I do totally see that, you know, Vicky Jepson, no doubt, and all the players will be saying, this is where we turn it around, this is the game we win, this is where we get all the supporters on board, and this is where we, you know, we really kickstart this 19-20 uh, season. And Everton have just got to go and and know that we've got the ability to win there, uh, try not to lose their heads. And I think that's been the case for the men's side for many years as well, is they're over by the fact it's Anfield, um, and we need to not do that. We need to go there, enjoy the occasion and just play to our strengths. Of course, football can go out the window because it's a derby and people are flying into, into challenges a bit more. Um, there's, there's a bit more grit and determination in there. And I, But I think we, we just need to rise to the occasion. But yeah, let's not lose our heads. If we do that, I think Everton should get the victory. But it's a derby, so I'm never confident. There you go. First win at Anfield since 1999. Sarah, give me a score prediction. <laughs> I'm going to go, I think it'll be a tight game, but I'm going to go 2-1 to Everton. Brilliant. Sarah, thanks very much. Again, that's Sarah Halpin. Joined by Sarah Halpin from the Birders Blue. You can get it on Twitter. It's Sarah Halpin 9. Sarah, thanks very much. And uh, hope you have a lovely weekend apart from maybe full-time on Sunday. <laughs> My pleasure, Andy. And the same goes to you, mate. And we're back on the weekend before the Anfield Rapid. It is John Gibbons. Uh, great. We're doing so much to push this uh, LFC women game against Everton, of course, uh, this weekend. I'm going to go down. I'm in the cop. I'm looking forward to both of those things because uh, they don't get to go in the cop very much. I'm looking forward to, to the game. So, yeah, do try and get down if you can. Uh, another thing I want to push is that we are offering an award. It's a f- uh, FSA award. They've changed this slightly, so that's why it's caught me out. Uh, for P- Football Supporters Association, is it now, Jay? I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm getting nods from Gareth Roberts as well, so we'll go with that. Uh, the FSA... Uh, do some awards every year for uh, fan media that sort of thing uh, and we are up for an award it is actually fan media of the year that we are up for so we'd like your votes if you don't mind uh, any awards we've been in the past be because of you guys mobilising and getting the votes out there and we appreciate it so yeah vote for us it only takes 10 seconds and uh, yeah, if you can share it on whatever social media channel you can uh, tolerate that'd be uh, really great as well it's just theanfieldwrap.com forward slash vote for TAW that's theanfieldwrap.com forward slash vote for TAW and you can also do it from the FSA site itself but yeah vote for us we'd appreciate that there's a few Liverpool players you can vote for as well Vic Virgil's off a player of the year and all that so you can have a, have a bit of fun vote for the Carragher as well he's, he's sound he's been in this week any, any journalists nominated? Uh, I'll be, I think I voted for Rory you know I voted for Rory yeah, yeah I, I know there's 
just like other other journalists are. Other journalists yeah, are available, but yeah, vote for others, and, right? and some of them are sound. But I just went for. We should have like a slate of people to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> just win them all. Who's on our tickets? Yeah, just uh, get them and get off. The best is when Tony won. He was embarrassed. Yeah, Tony Barris won, uh, won last won, year. Yeah, you know. he, he, went, he got off straight after. As <laughs> yeah, well, he like. was actually going over. Don't think he got off. Yeah, but he. The world too. He got off. I was like, top off his head and his cheeks were a bit red. He was on a table with us. We were with some of the United lads, the Armstrong and Andy Mitten and stuff like that. They were like, they, they were like, you're made up seeing him up there. I was like, yeah, this is boss. Yeah, stuff like that, yeah, yeah, any attention. But you can't vote for Tony, unfortunately, this time. But you can vote for the Anfield. I absolutely appreciate it. So I just want to have a little chat about the season so far, uh, how it's going and all that. Uh, how are you feeling, Andy? What's up and they don't like it, John? Yeah, well, that is true. You've established that in part one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> New content now, man. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mean, be like that. But, I mean, it, it couldn't have gone much better, could it, you know, in terms of you know, looking into the season, obviously we were all optimistic coming in, we were European champions, um, you know, we, I think a few of us expected a little bit more business, but, you know, in terms of what we've, what we've done is, is phenomenal, eight points clear, still unbeaten in the league, top of the Champions League group, Sam? No, unreal, unreal, I think if you'd offered that, if you'd offered where we are to anyone at the start of the season, you're, you're snapping the hand off, I think we've been, I think the cards have fell a little bit our way, uh, especially in the Champions League groups with the results, so it looks like we're going to progress there, um, but in the league campaign, I, think it, I don't think you have any arguments at all. I think it's thoroughly deserved. I can't think you can build a case there. Despite what you hear outside that we've been especially lucky um, in so much as the, the old Gary player thing, you make your own luck. They are the harder to practice the luck here again and all that. Um, and I think we, we, we've scored like goals too many times now for it to be luck. Um, I think it's more by design the way that they say the, the relentlessness of how we yeah. move teams around and stuff like that. Um, I think if we had, I've had one element to look, I think it's the results of other teams uh, around us. I mean, we, we were talking about City in the first half. I think if you would have said to them right now, you would have lost three games. I think they've drawn a couple as well. Is that right? Drawn one. I they've drawn, drawn the one. Spurs, um, I think the, big, the, the, the biggest thing you can say about how well Liverpool have done is that not just they've only the, the draw Man United. If, if you, if we were in Man City's position at the minute, you'd give us absolutely no chance. And it kind of put into context our achievements because it's absolutely magnificent. Yeah, um, what's it particularly gone well from from a sort of Liverpool point of view? Why do you think it's looking as good as it is? Well, I was from our point of view. I was listening to um, to, to Carragher's podcast this morning with yeah. Henderson. Yeah, it's really good. good, by the way. Um, you should have give it a go. It's, it's just Jamie speaking directly to to Henderson. It's a really relaxed chat. I enjoyed it because the, you know it was media. If you like media voice, Jamie Carragher. It was brutal, Jamie Carragher. Um, <laughs> but what I liked about it, Henderson was talking about sort of how they're talking about it. In, internally almost you know so how they're looking at matches how they looked at the Champions League final and I think you can see that in that you know earlier f- formations if you like of, of Klopp's team they, they just kept going they wanted to win five six seven eight nine and that's great and it's fantastic and it's good to watch and I get it but I'd rather just win win week after week after week and win this title get over the line I'm not I'm not too bothered about the style of how they do that and the style's been fine by the way but what I mean is I think they're all better older more experienced know how to manage games better than they did previously and that's the thing that you know I really take heart from you see you know just the simple things like taking it into the corner wasting some time you know, even the tactical foul on which City are always accused of Liverpool are doing it as well. Don't you know? Let, let's not be soft here. And so all, all, all that kind of stuff, I think, is is what encourages me. And just to being able to come to adversity as well, because you know you need to, across the course of a league campaign, you need to be able to do that. And you know, you look at it right now, and Robertson and Mo Salah are potentially injured for the Palace game. Like in the past, I think we'd all be running around screaming and putting our heads in our hands about that. But right now, you trust the group, you, you trust the manager to continue to get performances out of them, to continue to get results. And that comes from watching basically two years of football, which has been close to perfection. The um, I mean, as good as City was the other week, there's other two standout moments. I mean, one potentially better than the City one was Sadio Mane's reaction to Adam Lallana's equaliser at Old Trafford. When he's trying to drag them back into the into the own half of the pitch, there's a photograph for the celebrating mm. manager. Get back in, back in, get back in, and then Villa away the other week um, when we equalised. And I think I've said before that I, I would you, you pray you make you're making deals with yourself in your head. And when it was we were one 0 down, thinking I'd, I'd kill for a one one, and then it got to one one. It was like oh amazing, we're not going to get beaten. There was the idea that then whatever happened against City, we'd still be top. But that wasn't the, the attitude on the pitch. The, the attitude no. on the pitch was right now. Okay, we're gonna no. go. I know. I know. Everyone trusts the lineup. We go again. We go again. 
but it just shows the character of this team because you, other teams just don't do that. Well, he did Robertson celebration. Robertson doesn't run off, and and you can sense that because when Lalana scores, I know Manny does it, but when Lalana scores at Old Stafford, he does run off and celebrate, and they, they enjoy that moment. When Robertson scores at um, Villa, he just turns around, and he, he's celebrating, running back. Can't think probably because he didn't realise he was going to score. Probably like, he doesn't know what to do. But Liverpool just get back in mm. to position. They know there's time to go. They know they can probably they probably feel like they've just broken down that Villa's arm and they can they can get through. And I think that that for me is the thing for Liverpool of, of where you you feel like there's a change. There's a you know everyone everyone looked at talked about the attack last season being you know glorious and you can't cope with it and the full backs joining. And then I look at that and think, well, what's changed? Because we don't seem to be the same kind of, at times, look like we're the same kind of free-flowing team. But we still sort of scoring goals in a similar way. Um, you know, finding that space, the front three finding that space one way or another, full-backs getting assists. And you think, what's changed? And there's like a different kind of relentlessness. We know teams aren't going to give us that space anymore. We know they're not going to come back. You know, how quick City were getting back on Sunday was, was phenomenal, how quick they got back and you know, mark space just to sign the stick Liverpool. And yet we still just kept going. We kept going. And Henderson, the Henderson cross for Mane's goal, I think sort of typifies that. You're looking at that thinking, where's Henderson going? But it's like Liverpool finding a different way to score a goal there. Whereas previously, Henderson had got down the line. That was last year. And he'd probably been looking for a cutback to Salah. He'd have been looking to roll it into Firmino or something like that. You wouldn't have imagined Henderson's getting down the line to cross it into Mane. But there's just this other relentlessness, which I think must be really challenging for teams where they think, if we give Liverpool space, they could do this. If we go toe-to-toe with them, they could do this. And then even when we sit and try and absorb pressure a la Man City, they still do this. I, I think teams will just feel like there's just a almost an inevitability yeah. that Liverpool will get a goal, Liverpool will be in a game that if you know, even when we've thrown it away early on in the season in some games where we've looked a bit poor, you know, the European games, you'll still feel Liverpool are in this, Liverpool will get a goal, Liverpool will score again. Which is it you know, it isn't a title winner mentality you just buy or you can pull off the shelf. It comes from experience and winning the Champions League will have been a huge thing that to them. You know, I think I seen a clip of the Van Dyke talking about uh, on the goal video he's done with Neil Jones talking around, you know, winning the Champions League. And there's just that sense of no, we are winners now. We are winners. We are we're not just these elite players we speak of. We are Champions League winners. We are the champions of Europe to get to enjoy that for the next six or seven months still. And at the same time know that not only have they gone close in the league, they're doing it again. And we've done that in the Champions League. So now this is a club that you're thinking they get to the final of the Champions League, they don't win it, they go again and they win it this time. They nearly win the Premier League they go again this time and now they're eight points clear and it's suddenly like you know there's just a there's reference reference yeah points. there's reference points they just yeah. this isn't this isn't a blip As now this is well. yeah this isn't yeah exactly this isn't a blip this is Liverpool this is what they do now this is who we are for the periods of time whether it be another season or another two or another three and I think there's a comfort amongst the players they, they are wearing that skin comfortably no players thinking Phil Hanami's up there mm. Andy Robinson is no longer the the £8 million steal from Hull. Andy Robertson's the one of the best left-backs in Europe. Not the league anymore, in Europe. Trent Alexander-Arnold is in the 20... 20 even like you know, the way he was when we were talking in the summer. The 21-year-old kid that's done all these things. That's Trent Alexander-Arnold's being talked about because he'd be the next Gerard of De Bruyne. You know, they, they, they are... They're finding new levels without actually singing, you know, you know, singing their own praises or anything like that. They're just going out there and doing it. And I think that must be unnerving for teams. You know, there's still a long way to go, but you know, they just you go to games now and you, you you're looking forward to it, not just to see the like the, the goals and out, but almost just a sense of just this is a good day to go and enjoy yeah. what what is a very very special team, and I think they know the special, but they're, they're very humble about it and they're just getting on and doing the job, and it's a bit boss to see. I mean, I think the European Cup win has has had an effect, Gareth, and I think. You know, as Jay says, you know, it's, I think it has inspired them and made them sort of hungry for more. And, you know, winning can do two things, can't it? You can get complacent or you can go, well, I've, I've signed, I've won something now, I'm happy. Or, but the great champions, you don't want to be multiple winners, mm. don't they? But, but I just wonder as well whether it's just sort of it took a bit of pressure off everyone as well. And that's, that's allowed them to, you know, probably on the fans as well, you know, feeling because... You know this this football club's history is can be you know an inspiration and a kind of you know something that 
just don't into to footballers and and now these lads know well, we're not just Liverpool players we're Liverpool players who won something I just think maybe just took a little bit of pressure off as well as well as the, the hunger element to win more yeah absolutely and, and the manager as well as, Ricky, as yeah, ridiculous sure. as, as that sounds because you know you know you know we, we're all experienced mm. enough as fans now to know that had had we lost that Champions League final you, you, you'd be wading through media pieces about clubs being here X and one nothing yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And we, we just get to say now, and no one's writing them anyway, but if they did, we get to say, we won that, what you're on about. Six European Cups, he won the sixth. Um, he's took a team to the third highest total in the English, the top league in, the, in England ever. Um, what are you talking about? 97 points and won the European Cup the end. And... I think what Jay was saying there is right. You know, there's a you can, you can sense that they trust themselves. There's a confidence there, and they're just they're just calm. I mean, even the City game, there was a little bit of panic I thought in that first five minutes. But what I really enjoyed about Liverpool's performance is City. You know, obviously wanted to press as high, get stuck in, force mistakes, and it would have been the easiest thing in the world to start lumping it and just panic a little bit. But they kept playing out, they kept playing out, lifting little passes overheads, playing the football, knocking it around to the back. And don't get me wrong, at times it was a little bit hairy. Um, but that trust in themselves to keep on, you know, keep on keeping on using the process. Don't, yeah. you know, because it's been so many times in the past where like we'll concede a goal and everyone's like, ah, and like all of a sudden you see it, you know, and everyone's running forward, no shape, just like trying to force a goal somehow. Now it's all very, no, we're good, we know what we do, we know how we score goals, there are Liverpool types of goals, if this happens we've got a plan for that, if that happens we've got a plan for that, you see you know, the shape shifting as well, I mean I think there's been plenty of talk this week and rightly so that you know, Klopp isn't some kind, I mean Rory got a mention before and he was one of the ones saying it in, in his piece, you know, this idea that he's some kind of cheerleader stroke clown, you know, he's not is he? He's, a, he's an elite football manager and, and any club in the world right now would, would want him and his backroom staff as well the likes of Pep Linders so I think all of that together just means you, you know as Chase says you go in the game now with just total trust there's no stress about going the game it's let's go and see what Liverpool do today let's go and back them support them it's going to be brilliant and this is what it must have felt like for the Manx all if the, years. If there's, if there's <laughs> horrible years. If there's one moment, I mean, the biggest compliment that you can pay to this Liverpool side is they are very re- reminiscent of a fake since United side. But if one moment epitomised what Liverpool can do on Sunday, and it's it's kind of got lost in it, is because it, it ends with a Firmino shot that Bravo saves, is Alisson being under pressure yeah. uh, in his own area. And he drops a ball from about 40, 50 yards on, into Trent Alexander-Arnold's stride. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold then, with an amazing first touch, drives into the box and it ends up with a situation where maybe he shouldn't could have scored. But to do that under such pressure, in such a pressured environment against arguably the second best team in Europe, it just shows, just shows you how much trust and assurance they've got, they've got in each other to even think, let alone execute, to even think about doing and amazingly, that. no one on the cop wanted to kill a goalkeeper for doing something like that. Because yeah. a year and a half ago, someone has wanted to strangle well, some goalie. But boss, we're enjoying ourselves, yeah. <laughs> the fella behind me isn't trying to kill Alisson for trying to pass the ball. <laughs> I'm banging bang into the black tights, by the way. Oh, yeah, he, uh, he looked like a unit. Levy Ashes. Absolute unit. Looks better than when you were them when you used to play right. seven-side. <laughs> So, is there any in the woodies, anyone? So, in terms of, you know, we're eight points clear, we're looking good for this Premier League. Is there any in, the, in particular that makes people think, but, you know, as a fruit, so for example, we've got the, the ship to Qatar, which is a little bit the, mad. The, the, that, that run and collection of things, that one bad result in, in, say, you know, I think Villa aside, but I think you'd like to just keep winning those things, it sends a, sends a message, but a loss going to, say, Qatar... Just be, you know, the gate. Who do we play? West Ham. It's the yeah. last game. Oh, I can't remember who we played just before West we go. Needs to be West Ham's when we come it? back, isn't it? Yeah, or something like that. But whoever we play just before we go, there's a feeling of like a loss. Then might, you know, or a draw or, or some drop points just before you go there, and maybe you get to the semi or the final and didn't win that. That might feel to people like you know, oh, you know, just just a bit of a sense of disappointment in people. I don't think it should, but it, it easily could because then City will play a couple of games and probably you know take some points back and the league table might feel different um and i just think that you know it's a lot of football i know there's we've got a biggish squad and, and players that you'd expect us to get through some of those games but i think you know i'd expect that there'll be lots of player management over the next few weeks in games you know even when it's four or five weeks off from qatar the idea that you know 
Salad or Firmino if we're winning 2 or 3 nil will be coming off a 60 minutes kind of thing because he's rather safe that 30 minutes for the next game and you know get them some rest as a cumulative thing in the run up to something like that I think it, 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 I think it, a lot of it's how, how we, we react as fans in the stand as well to it's because um, you are going to get a knock it's not going to be perfect and I just keep thinking back to the Leicester game last year when I wouldn't say it was toxic but there was there was palpable nerves in there and you know that that that, that is then yeah. a negative experience and I think so the point that Van Dyke referenced exactly exactly so I just think it, it's massively important that we do react I'm not saying that anyone else to behave I mean who am I to say who are any of us to say that but I just think as a collective it's really important how we do react to any knocks and not go over the top yeah, I mean, I, the the only thing I fear is is the unknown, really, and the the uncontrollable. So, fitness form, that kind of stuff. Um, as I said before, you know, there's two injuries right now that you know you could easily get concerned about. But I just think we've got you've got to back them. You've got to stay behind them all the way because we've seen them come through adversity. We've seen Fabinho play centre half. We've seen Vinaldum line up in the the back a back three or whatever it was at the time at Brighton. You know, we we've seen Milner play all over the pitch. I think. The mentality that Klopp's got in this group, the psychology of the manager and, and, and his staff, you just got to back them to come through it. We might have to lean on some mad lads at the time that are on paper you'll be like, oh my God, you know, all of a sudden Curtis Jones is in midfield or something. But just back him, he's a good lad. But he's handy. Well, that's what I mean as well. I mean, you know, I, I think what we saw in, the, in that Arsenal game and in the MK Dons game is that you know those lads aren't going to burn under the under the light really I think they'll be alright if we have to do if they badly want it don't they yeah. they badly want it some of them young lads and, and I think, defenders as well as I say I, I think it's I'm going to try and write something on this later and I think it's really really hard what Klopp's done and, and what I mean by that is to have a culture from the top to the bottom of the organisation almost where Liverpool fans are actually finding it hard to cry ass about something, yeah. and and you know you don't be like <laughs> exactly, and you know better than anyone else, Jay. You know, like, <laughs> he was doing most of it. <laughs> well, well, I mean that's it, it's brilliant to have that. You know, there's no I've said it before, but you know, like there's no problem child right now at the club. Touch wood. You know, there's no big. There's plenty of young kids coming through who seem to be grounded, level, ready to step in. We saw that against Arsenal, as I say. So. Look, there will be times where maybe injuries strike and such would they don't, but we've been pretty good at getting our best players out on the pitch on a regular basis. All the all the big names seem to be clocking up 30-odd games a season in the Premier League, and so that can only be a good thing. And if we can keep it that way, then we've got every chance, obviously. Great place to finish. Uh, huge thanks to everyone for joining me in the room and obviously the callers and guests earlier on as well. That's been the Anfield Wrap. Enjoy your weekend. Up to Reds. Sports Social Podcast Network.